We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event in weekly Bible study for June 21st, 2014. And this next part's very interesting. Stumbled upon this, I had a listener send me something and then I saw some more information and I just could not believe what I was seeing in regard to this subject. And this part is kind of, I guess, entitled, Are Viruses the Next Cure for Cancer? This is the thing that's being touted now. Giant doses of genetically modified measles, a genetically modified measles vaccine, supposedly cured two of blood cancer at Mayo Clinic this week. But this magic remedy must be met with caution. So they were cured of blood cancer, a specific type of blood cancer, by getting a massive dose of genetically modified measles. The unlikely strategy of using a live virus to treat cancer took yet another step forward this week, with news that scientists at Mayo Clinic had treated two adults with blood cancer, in this case multiple myeloma, by injecting them with megadoses of genetically modified measles virus. Both patients had failed all other available medical therapies, even though they, there's tons of ways to approach that from an alternative standpoint. With the new oncolytic virus treatment, each responded and one remains in remission nine months later. In this study, the patients neither with the existing antibody to the measles virus, neither with the existing antibody to the measles virus, received enormous doses of a genetically modified live measles virus infused directly into their vein. Not even like you would normally get in a vaccine where they just put it in the soft tissue. This was put right into their vein like an IV. I mean, anyway, not given as a shot like a vaccine, both became feverish and ill with the infusion as expected and both recovered. Well, they knew exactly, evidently, from a measles standpoint, I guess, what they were dealing with. Anyway, I'm getting to a point here. So if if you're not understanding what point I'm getting to, bear with me because I don't want to give it away too soon. Both became feverishly ill. Um, the, the measles virus was derived from a strain used in a routine measles vaccine. It was still, however, a measles virus capable of giving a person a measles-like illness. The choice of measles for the cancer was quite deliberate. This virus is known to seek out and attack a type of white blood cell where myeloma arises. So let's just play this short video here. So first, AC, you know, what was your first thought when they told you that you were uh, going to get the measles to try to cure or make some sort of interruption in your cancer? Okay, so this is a CNN reporter interviewing one of these ladies, I guess, that got the large dose of genetically modified measles vaccine directed, uh, injected directly into her veins. Well, I was just overjoyed. I had been tracking the, the news of it for a couple of years. I knew my doctor and his colleagues were working on such a study, and so when it was my turn, I was, I was more than excited, and um, yeah. Yeah, and we described it as a real mega dose of the measles. So this treatment actually made you very sick at first, right? Um, did you think, oh, it's this is lit- going to work, or this is just what I have to get through in order? Sorry, I didn't pause. It's literally showing her getting the mega injection at the hospital uh, while they're they're 
plane while they're talking back and forth. To you know, get to the other side, so to speak. Well, it really was a very intense dose, and I received enough to inoculate uh, 10 million people. Which Only 10 million people? Did you hear that? She received enough to inoculate. <laughs> Talk about a mega dose. 10 million people, and it was a genetically modified strain? I, I don't care if it, if it reversed her age by, you know, 30 years and, and, and turned her into a decathlete and made her like Miss America. What are the side effects and the ramifications of doing something like this down the road? And again, I'm getting to a specific point here, but I'm not going to give it away yet. But down the road is what I'm talking about. I did this relatable terms until after the fact, which was good. I had a really horrific headache during the process, and I spiked a high fever and had nausea, but those symptoms or side effects were very short-lived. And today I was able to walk across the the street to my hotel. Wow. And then the doctors told you you were cancer-free, at least temporarily. Um, How did that news hit you? Well, it was very exciting. I actually had a built-in monitor on my forehead. I had a plasma cytoma, which my family named Evan, and within 36 hours... Now that's special. She had a plasma cytoma on her forehead, which was evidently like her little buddy, that evidently indicated to her how bad the myeloma was. So they named it Evan. I don't know if it had a last name or a middle name or a surname or a pen name, but it was named Evan. So anyway, let's go further. The plasma the size of a golf ball disappeared. That's amazing. And so at that point, you knew. I knew. I knew. This was working. Mm-hmm. You knew before the, the tests were telling us that, that it was working. Wow. And so uh, it, it did come back, uh, but temporarily, right? Now you're in remission? I am in complete remission. I am. Wow. And, and how are you feeling? So what did she have to do to get it back in remission? Do another... 10 million inoculation dose genetically modified treatment again? The thing is, is that people watching this are going to say, oh, there's actually finally a cure for cancer, at least of this and this. And again, there's so many cures that the medical profession, just like when somebody comes up with a car that can run off water, they just kill them or they buy them off, you know, or so many different things out there, an alternative medicine, an alternative, and, and that can cure stuff like this. But they have no interest whatsoever in finding a cure for something um, because that takes away their recurring revenue. Now with this though, because of the point that I'm going to get into, I can see how maybe they would want to finally come out and say, you know what, we finally found a cure for cancer, but you're going to have to do it our way, and you're going to have to take this big genetically modified measles dose. We don't really know what the long-term side effects or ramifications are. Um, don't pay attention to anything that's ever come out in the past, any movies or anything like that, with this exact same theme. And I'm getting to that. Um, don't pay attention to any of those so-called side effects. That None of that will ever happen. In other words, if they're ever going to come out with a cure for cancer and admit it and openly do it, 
It is going to have to be something that is very, very, very nefarious and evil at its root. Yes, it may work initially, but what are the side effects and what are the ramifications down the road? And again, I'm getting to this point, but I'm not going to give it away yet. I'm feeling great. I have not felt this energetic for 10 plus years. It's It's been the easiest um, treatment I've done by far. Oh my goodness. Okay, well, I know the hope is in the medical community that this will work for many more, because apparently you really are the anomaly in which this has helped you. I am, and I'm so looking forward to others joining me on this journey. Um, we just need to get this moving faster. Wow. Well, congratulations on it working for you, and thanks so much for being with us, and all the best to you. Thank yeah. you. Really wonder how that journey is going to turn out for her, following her on the journey. So, in other words, the medical cartel that was originally started by IG Farben, which was the main monetary driving force behind Hitler, um, that same medical cartel exists today, just in different forms and branches that has suppressed every single natural alternative cure for cancer, made sure that there's no cure for cancer in their own drug arsenal or chemo arsenal, now all of a sudden comes out and says, no, no, we've actually found a cure, and it works. Huh. I wonder what the motivations are behind something like this, because they don't normally ever come out with anything like this. Hmm. David Rockefeller was quoted at a, a Bilderberger member, Bilderberg member, was quoted as saying, we are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis, and all the nations will accept the new world order. Now, I've, I've said for a long time, I believe the smartest way the new world order could be implemented is not with maximum carnage and bloodshed in the form of some type of huge civil war, which, that may be the route they go. Okay. I think that is the route they're going to go to in part. But wouldn't it be much wiser to unleash some type of plague that, like they did in the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, um, which one day, when, when a person got vaccinated, they would be hale and hearty one day and literally dying of the black death the next. And there was multiple, multiple eyewitnesses that have come out that I've quoted in the past. And that's the main theme that I got into um, on the presentation I did on the avian flu killer of millions. The government has a history of doing this with vaccinations. This is a vaccine. There's a number of different ways they could unleash a plague. The first commandment of the Georgia Guidestones, which is the Ten Commandments of the New World Order, is to reduce world population to 500 million. Okay, well we're over 7 billion now, <clears throat> so that would be like approaching somewhere in a 90 to 95% reduction rate. Wouldn't it be smarter if you were Satan to try to wipe out a vast, vast swath of humanity, make them sickly, weak, and ill, and then turning their guns over isn't really going to be a big issue. If they're coming to Big Brother begging for the cure, even though the cure is actually the curse, even though the cure is what's actually going to kill you, like it was in the Spanish flu, but if they buy into the propaganda. This is a subject I have... <laughs> this is literally the bedrock foundation of where this ministry kind of started when I did that 14-city tour back in 
06 on the avian flu. And so this is kind of a near and dear subject to me. And when I saw this this week on regarding this cure for cancer that is the measles virus, I, I could not believe, I could not believe what I was reading and seeing. Because we have the movie, I Am Legend, which is the exact same scenario. Let me read you a synopsis of the film if you're not familiar with it. Starring probably the biggest star in Hollywood at the time, Will Smith. Synopsis of the film. In 2009, a miracle cure for cancer is announced. Isn't that what we just heard? It involves a measles virus genetically engineered to kill cancer cells. Isn't that exactly what we just talked about? This miracle virus mutates into a deadly plague. Military virologist Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Robert Neville, Will Smith, is assigned the task of finding a cure. Three years later, he is looking for that cure. The plague has killed off most of the world's population. Everybody that got the vaccine, hey, yeah, we're cancer-free, but now we're zombies. Oh, you know, there's trade-offs to everything, okay? So let's not, let's not split hairs here, okay? Okay, I mean, yeah, but at least they're a cancer-free zombie, okay? I mean, come on. I mean, at least they got that going for them. I've got to worry about that. Anyway, three years later, he's still looking for the cure. The plague has killed off most of the world's population. Of the survivors, most of them have become infected uh, with a cannibalistic zombie-like, they're cannibalistic zombie-like mutants. So, you know, a minor drawback there. But hey, you know, again, let's not split hairs here. We mustn't judge. The film opens with a TV news broadcast announcing the discovery of a cure for cancer, just like we were listening to. Just then, Dr. Alice Crippen describes how she has engineered a genetically modified measles virus to destroy cancer cells. Haven't I always said that, and, and it's been a common theme, that the Illuminati, that Hollywood, always telegraphs their punches prior to cataclysmic events that they're going to perpetuate on humanity. It's part of the Luciferian Kabbalistic doctrine that they follow. They've already done this. I mean, I don't think there's very many people out there that have screamed louder than me regarding warning, warnings about not getting vaccinated in any way, shape, or form. Because you just don't know what they're even putting in there including injectable microchips, including injectable nanomicrochips, which Hitachi has openly bragged about since, like, early 2000, including the vaccines that are grown uncultured off aborted babies. I went over those. There's at least 13 there. Ones like MMR and, and Varivax and chickenpox vaccines. Those are all cultured off aborted babies. I've got it. In fact, if you watch my presentation, I get into those. There might be more now. The, the host of horrific chemicals that are in there, formaldehyde and, and um, squalene and aluminum and, and um, mercury, thimerosal, neurotoxins and cancer-causing agents and all this witch's brew of, of just satanic cursed garbage that they're injecting right into your baby's bloodstream, typically. 
I mean, into the soft tissue, which makes its way into the bloodstream. All of these things are designed to kill you. Period. There is no, there is no benefit. There, God didn't, God did not design us to have to have some vaccine in the form, in, in the form for us to function. And again, I'm going to get into that in a little bit. We're going to prove that again, but just from a little different angle than maybe I have in the past. So, Dr. Alice Crippen describes how she has engineered a genetically modified measles virus to destroy cancer cells. The next scene shows a deserted New York City. So this was the fruit of this wonderful vaccine. The next scene shows a deserted New York City on a sunny day, virtually all human life gone. Exactly how the population controllers want it. 100%. The film I Am Legend foresees the following. Number one, massive population reduction. Two, the planned release of a mega plague under the disguise of a miracle cure. That's what I said. If they're going to openly say, we finally found a cure for the big C, for cancer, then you know they have some unbelievably nasty, hidden agenda wrapped into that. Look at what they're doing now on a daily basis that we report on week to week. When you're dealing with the, the, the mass media, with Obama, world politics, world, most world religion, Hollywood, you're dealing increasingly more with just a pure and pure form of Satan, Lucifer. So you, it's not like you, you can trust them. Number three, a military quarantine engineered to maximize, not minimize, the death toll. Well, how would that happen? Well, in the movie, you lock the city down, which is what they did at the start, but when people were still alive, lock the cities down and let everybody get all nice and cozy with one another, and then they die a lot quicker because they're in close proximity. The cities, the big cities in particular, will be literal death traps. What else does the movie foresee? A genetically re-engineered human race, this zombie race. Isn't that what they want? They want to defile our DNA through this genetically modified, ra- or, well, I've got into the rabies vaccine recently too, but in this case, measles vaccine. Guaranteed it's changing your DNA. How could it turn you into some type of zombie mutant, at least in the movie, unless it had interfered with your DNA sequences in some way, shape, or form? You're not even human anymore. That's what they want. We're created in God's image. God, Satan wants to defile our DNA, just like he did in Noah's day. And it got so bad in Noah's day, God had to wipe out the whole world with a flood and start over, save eight people. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, according to Jesus Christ. So we should be expecting something like this. And like I've said, I just think that from a satanic standpoint, this is the most logical way. I heard some stuff the other day, Jones was saying, where he's saying that Obama might act unilaterally. And I talked about this in my last teaching. Inklings that Obama may try to act unilaterally through executive fiat, executive orders, in order to just literally start just confiscating all the guns. I mean... That is going to be a really, really messy, bad, long, drawn-out fiasco if they try to do that. 
This would be far more intelligent from a satanic standpoint. Now, maybe it won't pan out that way. I don't know. But I've always felt that there was a heavy possibility that that was the way it was going to go. So, a genetically re-engineered human race. And then fifth, a rise of a false savior that will seek to restore humanity with his own blood and death. Because in the end, this Robert Neville, Will Smith, his blood is what actually saves the world through various plot twists in the movie. And he sacrifices his own life in order to get that blood to save the world. Okay? I could talk a little whole lot more about that, but I, that's really getting off into a rabbit trail. I want to stay focused in on this. So, um, I'm going to play a portion of my my Avion Flu uh, presentation. I'm only about two, about almost three minutes of it. And where I get into some of these, these uh, points that I'm talking about. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start at the fourth minute here for my part 11, the one that's up on YouTube. And we're talking about telegraphing of the punches and different ways that they're they're doing that so now the next movie we're going to look at is the I Am Legend movie starring Will Smith this is a very very big budget film that uh, recently premiered here and description of this movie would would read as follows after the outbreak of a lethal vaccine induced virus now that's I inserted that part in because essentially at the start of the show they're interviewing this doctor lady and she has developed a cure for cancer that is 100% cure for cancer. They haven't had over 10,000 people that they've tried it on. Not one didn't work on. And she describes it as a virus that instead of being a bad guy virus, it's a good guy virus. She describes them as a good cop virus. And in the, in the body, this has this wonderful effect on preventing cancer. In the movie, the virus itself mutates, and it is a mutation that mimics some kind of freak mutation of measles and rabies. And ultimately, it ends up wiping out most of the planet. Now, remember recently, and this has been on several occasions, I have talked about this rabies vaccine and how they're literally carpet bombing this rabies vaccine out in Texas and in various other places to supposedly inoculate the indigenous wildlife to rabies. Uh Uh-uh. No way. I don't believe it. Um, Key and rabies in the keyword search box. When you start to really look at all this stuff together... And now this new thing with the measles? Whoa! I mean, huh. Oh, it, it's just, it's off the scale. I mean, when, when you start just looking at all this as one cohesive unit. I'll go back to this excerpt. It says, in 2012, so this is three years later, Army virologist Lieutenant Colonel Robert Neville is left as one of the last healthy humans on Earth. He is one of the few survivors of a biochemical virus induced initially via a cancer vaccine. For three years, Neville's been trying to discover a cure for this disease and to find out if any other people might have also survived. The vaccine virus has killed the vast majority of the planet and transformed all the remaining infected survivors into mutant victims of the plague. Again, what are they trying to telegraph to us here? 
uh, you've got the vast majority of the planet wiped out. Now, from a biblical standpoint, that's not going to happen. But this is, again, a, a... Now, when I say that, what I mean is that we're not even into the tribulation yet. Okay, so I cannot see them pulling off some type of like 95% population reduction and then us going into the tribulation and, and there being only 5% of the population left, whereby those other plagues will be poured out on that 5% and whatever remnant is left. I just, I think that if there was going to be a 95 population reduction, it would be in the Bible and it would be written prior to clearly indicating that this is prior to the tribulation, that this is going to happen. Remember, the Lord Jesus Christ and Father God are on the throne. So, whatever plan Satan may have, he might not be able to pull off any of this. Okay? But I know that it's in his black heart to do so. And from a path of least resistance for Satan to implement the New World Order, releasing a plague, to me, would be to seem... Would, would seem to be the path of least resistant, resistance for Satan and his Illuminati um, minions and their minions to take in order to implement that. Propaganda fear and, and chaos and this type of thing. And this virus, which is initially going to be introduced through this wonderful vaccine, which is how basically all vaccines are presented, is going to essentially kill the vast majority of people on the planet. The ones that are infected and do live turn into these mutant creatures that are essentially like zombie-slash-monsters, and then you have less than, far less than 1% of the population left who are immune to this, and most of them are eaten by these mutants, and the small remaining few that survive are, are the ones that, you know, supposedly the only hope for the planet. Okay, so I posted that. That was an uh, update, an addendum update to my original... Avion flu presentation that that was from like 06. I posted this on March 29th, 2008. So like six years ago, I posted this. What you just heard. Um, so since then, we've had a plethora of zombie movies. You've got the um, one zombie thing from AMC. What's that called? Um, Walking Dead. Which is like the number one show on AMC. You got more. You got the CDC coming out with warnings. They just they issued another one. They have a zombie preparedness um, uh, thing built, and this isn't a joke. This isn't like they're kidding around. They really do have a contingency plan for zombies, and it can zombie in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, and then how that keys into the rabies vaccine. And how that now would key into this measles um, vaccine for cancer. It's just, it's like I just get more and more and more confirmation that I believe that we're on the right path here regarding what we're looking at here. Because there, there just seems to be more and more confirmation. I'm not going to take credit for that and say, oh, I'm so smart or whatever. I'll give the Lord Jesus Christ total credit, total glory for all this. But... Again, I just keep seeing a, a um, layer after layer of confirmation regarding these issues. And that was, you know, six years ago, what you just heard. And now we're seeing it. <laughs> it's like, wow, what, what could we actually be on the cusp of? Now, going further, 
Next report, has a plague already arrived? 205 Americans die each day after requiring superbug hospital infections. Okay, so if a jumbo jet crashed into the ocean every single day, it would, rough, it would roughly equal the number of Americans who die each day following superbug infections acquired at U.S. hospitals. And those are just the statistics that the medical cartel is admitting. What, what the true statistics are, I mean, who knows? Far from being some hyped-up scare story, that's actually the conclusion of none other than the CDC. Um, so that's the, a, a jumbo jet uh, crashing into the plane every day, or into the ocean every day. That's just the ones that are dying of superbug infections every day in America. Uh, on any given day, 1 in 25 hospital patients, 1 in 25, just regular hospital patients, has at least one healthcare-associated infection. Um, these are called nosocomial infections, infections you get when you're in a hospital because of the uh, environment that you're in in a hospital. I'll explain that a little bit more in detail later. The CDC's 2011 survey of 183 hospitals showed that an estimated 648,000 patients nationwide suffered 721,000 infections. And 75,000 of them died. Now, the, the thing about that is, that's 183 hospitals they surveyed. There's over 5,000. I, I checked the stats. Or it's almost 5. I think it's like almost 5,000. So, 183,000 is just a small sampling. Um, I don't know if they're basing these stats off just those 183 and extrapolating them. To include the five, because if you if you extrapolate those numbers, if it's five thousand, obviously the numbers are going to go through the roof. So I'm not exactly sure what type of chicanery they may be up to here. Anyway, this was uh, reported by the Washington Post. This is all referenced. So they're saying seventy five thousand people die of these um, these infections um, every year. If you do the math, that comes out to 205 deaths per day on average in U.S. hospitals. Um, again, these numbers are most likely not accurate. as quote, they always underestimate the true numbers. A hospital-inquired infection, infection, also known as an HIA, or a nosocomial infection, or a medical, yeah, nosocomial infections, is an infection whose development is favored by a hospital environment, such as one acquired by a patient during a hospital visit, or one developing among hospital staff. Keep in mind that if an airplane crash were killing 205 Americans per day, it would be headline news everywhere. And if vitamins were killing just one person per day, the entire government would be calling to ban all vitamins. But when a hospital superbug infection results in 205 Americans dying each day, and that's probably unbelievably underblown number, it simply is just another statistic, and not treated as a national emergency. Somehow the annual death of 75,000 Americans is considered business as usual, and in a sick care system that virtually everyone considers a uh, disastrous failure, well, those in the know would consider it that. What these numbers prove is that the hospital is a very dangerous place. Simply entering the hospital for a seemingly routine surgical procedure can result in your death. I personally know of many people who have entered the hospital to undergo elective non-emergency surgery and never came out alive. 
And who is the most likely person to infect you in a hospital? Your doctor, of course. The very people who claim to be estate-licensed authorities on all things related to health care are actually carriers of, deadly, of the deadly disease who routinely and inadvertently infect new patients with extremely dangerous microbes. They don't do this on purpose. Well, okay, maybe... Not all of them don't, but some of them probably do, of course, but they don't take the precautions necessary to prevent it either. So you might say, well, what do you mean? Hand-washing practices, for example, are routinely ignored by most medical staff. In fact, a study commissioned by the licensing body for U.S. hospitals found that poor sanitation practices by hospital staff kills 247 patients each day across America. So that's just poor sanitation. That's 247 patients each day, okay, killed across America. And again, guaranteed those numbers are underblown. The study found that doctors and nurses washed their hands only 30 to 70% of the time, I guess depending on the hospital, that they entered or ex- when they ex- entered or exited a patient's room. 30 to 70%. Okay, so let's say 50% on average. You go into a patient's room, they have an infection, you don't wash your hands, you put your hands on them to do an exam, you go to the next room, you don't wash your hands, ah, you've just become the vector for the transferal of whatever infection or disease, so that's what's going on. By definition, superbugs like uh, C. diff or MRSA and others are virtually completely resistant to modern antibiotic drugs. And because conventional medicine completely disregards the antibacterial power of colloidal silver or um, vitamin C and D3 in antibacterial herbs like echinacea and oregano, patients are never given those treatments as an option. Well, they can't make any money off them, and they would actually work a lot better, if given, particularly if given uh, the right way. But we don't want that. We, we want to keep the patient sick and dependent on the medical system and Make sure you kill all of their healthy flora and devastate their immune system with antibiotics because that's what's hap- that's what happens. And that's how they want to keep you locked into their system. As a result, superbug infections almost always mean death when you're in the hospital. This is the case where the ignorance of conventional medicine can literally get you killed. As it turns out, doctors and hospitals have no clue how to stop superbug infections. So they leave patients to die and they die by the hundreds each day. Over 200 daily in the United States alone, and again, that's just what they admit to. The CDC isn't even trying to hide this statistic. They're claiming, in fact, that they are making progress on this front, when the truth is they have already lost the war. It's all by design. Okay? The great failure of modern medicine is that it, is in, it invented and unleashed the vehicle of our own medical self-destruction, which is antibiotics. The word antibiotic means against life. Anti-against biotics life. These patented chemicals, once heralded as miraculous cures, have now thrust humanity to the brink of medical self-destruction. Soon a simple infection entering your body from a minor scrape or cut may prove deadly with doctors having run out of... That's if you totally go the medical route, though. um, With doctors having run out of prescription chemical weapons to use against it. And then every routine surgery will be life or death matter. It's getting to that point anyway. This includes cosmetic surgery, gallbladder removal surgery, and, of course, emergency room trauma surgery. 
Uh, as I wrote in September of 2013, I think this is uh, Mike Adams, the coming plague will not be stopped by drugs. The CDC now admits the era of antibiotics is at an end as the bacteria are outwitting the drug companies. The whole approach of fighting bugs with isolated chemicals was doomed to fail from the start since pathogens adapt to chemical threats far more quickly than drug companies can roll out new chemicals. Sadly, the very approach of using an isolated chemical to combat a disease is rooted in the 1950s mentality that has nearly reached its end point in the history of medicine. The CDC all but admits this now, saying the era of antibiotics is, is nearing its end. Uh, quote, if we are not careful, we will soon be in a post-antibiotic era. This was said by Dr. Tom Frieden, director of the CDC. I've put out so many reports on this in my health newsletter confirming this, um, particularly as of late. Every day, 205 Americans die from the after effects of antibiotics. Sure, antibiotics saved a lot of lives in the short term, but how many lives will they kill in the long run? In, in other words, the ultimate end of, of this whole antibiotic era is what we're looking at here. Uh, because sooner or later, a superbug plague may emerge that burns through the population. Again, this is, relates heavily to what we've been talking about here. Um, if you go to my, there's a link here, my presentation, Avion Flu Killer of Millions. It's a little bit disjointed, this link, but it's the actual one where you kind of see me talking in Topeka, Kansas. Um, it starts out with a clip that's kind of like into the, um, it, it, it's not an order, in other words, is the point, but the, the fact is you can watch the whole thing and kind of get a really good synopsis of what we're talking about here. Oh, you can watch it for free. So the official cover story will likely be that the plague was a bioweapon released by terrorists, but the real sobering truth may be is that it's just a runaway superbug nurtured into existence by the careless overuse of antibiotics. I think that's going to play a part in it. Yeah. I think the devastation of our immune systems is part of setting us up to be decimated by the plague. I don't think it's the only thing. I don't think it's even going to be the main thing. I think it will be a very important factor. You know, they decide to release this thing with chemtrails or some other binary agent through the water and the air so that it just doesn't happen all at once. Uh, and then they provide the vaccine to supposedly cure it, which actually maybe is the third thing where you totally kick the bucket. You know, it, it's hard to exactly say how they're going to try to pull this off, but we've got into all those scenarios in, in other studies. So, um, I put my links in here for the Invive Mild Silver Protein to the uh, website. In um, This was a uh, in March of 1978, Science Digest, in the article, Our Mightiest Germ Fighter reported, an antibiotic perhaps kills a half a dozen different disease organisms. See, antibiotics are very selective on how they work. Okay, but silver kills some 650. Resistant strains fail to develop. So in other words, true colloidal silver is not subject like antibiotics would be, where they're going to mutate and find some way around colloidal silver. They don't do that. Resistant strains fail to develop. That's a big advantage of using. And again, I've got into this, in, if you uh, go to the, my little study I did on the colloidal silver, uh, it was originally used by the MDs up until the 1939 FDA takeover when they said, you know what, this stuff's actually curing people. We don't really want, this is when the modern day of 
antibiotic era came into place. We can get people locked in for life by taking antibiotics, whereas colloidal silver cures things. At that point, you could literally go to your MD and he would literally prescribe you a uh, prescription for colloidal silver. It was, it was mild silver protein, which is what the involved mild silver protein is. But it was very unstable in that form. Either the MD or the pharmacist would compound it right there in their office and they would give it to you, but you had to consume it in like one to two weeks because it would start falling out of solution. The Invive Mild Silver Protein, there's never been a bottle, to, to my knowledge, that's ever fallen out of solution. They've got bottles from, I believe, the early 90s that are still perfectly good. I think the expiration date on it right now, or the, it's not even an expiration date, it's, it's like a, I think there's a retest date, and then there's like, for FDA purposes, maybe some type of expiration. It's like 2028 or something. But the reality is those bottles are most likely, there's a high likelihood they'll be good for 100 years. Can't guarantee that. But it's so stable, even at high parts per million. And there's no other colloidal silver in the world that can claim that. There's just not. Not at, not at those PPMs, I guarantee it. Parts, parts per million is what I'm talking about. So anyway, um... Uh, and then UCLA Medical Center says colloidal silver killed every virus that was tested in the lab. Uh, the website's www.drdr-johnson.com. And then I give you the days ahead, what to expect and how to prepare proactive measures in the event of a pandemic. Uh, these are my 5,000 um, part per million, mild silver suggested therapeutic dosing guidelines, because I've had a lot of people ask me, okay, well, what do we, like, let's let's say worst case scenario, okay? And so, basically, it's one to one, one teaspoon to one tablespoon for every 30 pounds of body weight per day. This is worst case scenario. This is like you've got Ebola. Okay, you've got like dengue fever. You have got the modern day plague, super bug, whatever that they've released. Okay, uh, again, I think a lot of that's going to be predicated on your exposure to chemtrails, your exposure to any vaccines, these types of things. But let's say you do get it. Okay, let's say they figure out a way to give it to a lot of people. Well, without even being vaccinated, or without being heavily exposed to chemtrails. I, I don't know what they have up their sleeve. This, These would be the dosing guidelines for that worst-type case scenario thing. Um, so it's one teaspoon to one tablespoon for every 30 pounds of body weight per day. That's a big dose, okay? But obviously this isn't something you're going to have to do day in and day out for weeks on end. I, I don't. Normally this would be something where you weather the storm for let's say, I, I can't believe you'd, you'd need this dosage for more than a week, typically. Unless you were just continually being re-exposed. Unless your immune system was just so weak that it couldn't fend anything off. Remember, silver acts like a secondary immune system in the body. It, it, this is why I emphasize a lot with the whole food, food state vitamin Cs and vitamin D3 and like things like zinc and... Um, Keeping your calcium levels high actually has a really good effect on your white blood cell count, which is a big part of your immune system. Those are your primary immune system vehicles. Keeping your thymus glands strong, 
um, making sure your adrenals aren't burned out. Those are things that can really make your own immune system tank. Um, making sure you're detoxified. That's another thing. Your lymphatics are nice and clean and clear. All of those things help. And the stronger you are when something like this hits, the less you will ultimately have to do of something like the 5,000 miles silver, 5,000 parts per million silver. I mean, if you're, if you're a strong, hale and hearty person and this hits you and your immune system was already rock solid, well, you're going to find that you're going to need a lot less silver to get you through this. That's why I like to say, okay, your primary immune system is your foundation. The 5,000 part per million silver in this particular case scenario is acting like a secondary immune system in the body. And um, um, that's kind of how I try to get people to approach it. So the one tablespoon dosage would be used for life-threatening situations. This dosage would be broken up um, meaning the one teaspoon and one tablespoon per 30 pounds of body weight would be broken up throughout the day and taken in three-hour intervals. Uh, stay at home, avoid contact with the populace till the outbreak passes. Uh, if taking this dosage, drink at least eight eight-ounce glasses of purified water per day. You're going to want to flush all the dead um, virus or bacteria out of the body as quickly as you can. And if you don't, if you're not used to this, you're going to undergo a massive Herxheimer die-off reaction. And you might get a headache, you might feel really, really, really run down. And so drinking the water will help speed up that detox process. Okay, but the, but the headache and all that stuff is basically just an, an indicator that you've hit the nail on the head. Um, and you're doing the right thing. Okay, so you have to look at it like it's a good thing. Um... The mild silver protein can be used topically over infectious sites um, as well. Like if you had MRSA somewhere, uh, you can also use iodine, the leucose iodine over the infect. You can alternate the silver and the iodine, and you can even throw hydrogen peroxide in there. If the area is, um, if it's a closed, let's say it's right under the skin but not really open, you can actually add DMSO into that, which will help the penetration. Um... So anyway, these the, the guidelines are right here uh, in the PDF, and let's see. Then I give you all my teachings I've done online, my online PowerPoint presentations. They're all up there for free on YouTube. Avion flu pandemics: what to expect, how to prepare. It's a 16-part teaching. I give you the link to that, and then colloidal silver, mild silver protein, its uses in history. There's a link to that, and then Avion flu population control. H5N1 and Biological Warfare. It's a five-part teaching. I give you a link to that. Other things that you can do. North American Herb Spice uh, Super Strength Oregano P73. Uh, I give you their website. I don't have anything to, to do with them. I, I just, just know it's a good product as well. Um, in other words, not putting all your eggs in one basket is wise. You're, you, when you approach something like this, I like to hit it from many different angles. You got the vitamin C, you got the D3, you got the zinc, maybe you got some calcium, you got some oregano, P73, you got the 5,000 part per million silver. If I could only use one, I'd use the silver because it, it acts totally as a secondary immune system, regardless of how your primary is doing. But, like I said, you know, there's strength in numbers. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's the best way if you can do that. Um, also, investing in a personal nebulizer 
Um, the mouse of a protein can be put into that. 100 part per million is what I've been told by Invive to tell people. You only use 100 part per million in a nebulizer. One drop of eucalyptus oil in the nebulizer cup with the silver will give a very nice tonic opening of airways effect to the lungs. Uh, you can find, I'd get probably the organic uh, eucalyptus oil um, online. Try to get some of that. Then you just do a keyword search for it. And um, I've used personally 500 part per million in a nebulizer. Nothing ever happened to me, but they tell me I can only recommend officially 100 part per million. So I just want to throw that out there. And then things like true food state vitamin C. I think innate response formula, that C400. Uh, Bible says swear not. Um, I don't want to say swear by it, but I, I take it pretty much every day. It's just a product I need. Um, and it's made a tremendous difference with my primary immune system function. Uh, for me, it's just amazing. They also make that in a powder. It's a C-complete powder. Uh, two of the products that I, I, um, I sell and recommend. They're professional line products. So you have to... Typically, unless somebody's kind of up on the internet scam selling these, typically you're going to have to get these through some type of healthcare professional. That's not my idea. It's just the way they set it up, just like standard process. you got to go through a healthcare professional to get them. Um, not my idea, but I have to abide by the guidelines they set forth. So, uh, true, and then true food state vitamin D3. The only one that I know of that makes this is innate response formula. Again, and I recommend their 5,000 international unit, a D3, uh, comes in 60 capsules, or they make a 2,000 international units. I think they discontinued the 1,000 international units. They cut some of their products out of the product line. I wasn't in agreement with a lot of what they did, but I think they did it to consolidate the product line more. So I still have the 5,000 international and the 2,000 international units. Um, also, a really good air purifier. Let's say plague happens and um, you're basically in your house. Well, I like these Royal Air Purifiers. And um, they create what they call Aaron, which is a highly special, uh, special high-level form of activated oxygen. It's like, it's like ozone, but it's like ozone 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. It's, it's actually a little different. And it will seek out and destroy pollutants, bacteria, mold, spores, whatever. Uh, not only in the air, but on surfaces as well. See, an air filter, if you have an air filter, that can actually act as a breeding ground for whatever noxious air, let's say there's the virus or the bacteria, whatever, it'll, it'll actually get into that bacteria and that can become a breeding ground for it. I like these a lot better because they're actually not an air filter. It's actually treating all the air. Not only that, with air filters, it's only working on whatever air that gets sucked into it. And it may be missing, it may only be getting 20% of the air in your house in the long run. So the rest of the air is unprotected. Um, so anyway, I give you a link to them. I don't have any vested interest with them. I just, I have one, I've used it for years and, and I like it. Now, I also give you in this PDF... My preparedness, survival, and pandemic teachings. Because I've covered all of this before at much greater depth. I give you my three-part teaching on end-time preparedness prepper mega study. 
where I get into a lot of what you need to do. Part one, two, and three. Um, basically, I'll just go over some of the stuff I cover. Proactive measures in the event of a pandemic. Um, things like strategic location. Uh, Top five priorities of emergency preparedness, emergency medical supplies, doomsday bunker stuff, um, emergency response protocols, twenty-two comprehensive a twenty-two page comprehensive list from a listener uh, who writes this is a guide to the gear that I recommend you buy, uh, and he's a longtime trusted listener, and I, I agreed with what his assessments were. So I give you the PDF here where it's all in one spot. If you don't want to listen to the teachings, you can just go through the PDF if you want. And then another teaching I did on 425 of 11, and it's end-time preparedness, economic collapse preparation, bug out, and feminine hygiene, low water washing technique, uh, EMI and RF shielding materials, smart meter protections, um, what to do when cell towers, cell towers cease functioning, remedies for external wounds, info on bulk food, hand grain mills, oat flakers, nut butter makers. <laughs> Sounds like it could burst into song any second, kind of like with that whole limerick rhyme. Anyway, so I give you the PDF for that. And then another study I did on uh, entitled Health, Pandemic, Immune System, Survival Preparedness, Q&A. It's an audio and a PDF. And then another one I did in time preparedness on um, oh, preparedness, how to make bread, uh, food grade, diametaceous earth, frugal ideas for depression and collapse. A uh, whole bunch of stuff. I mean, so many things I'm covering here in these teachings. There's another teaching I did on 311 of 12. Uh, another one I did on 9-4 four, of 11 where we talked about vaccines and radiation remedies. Uh, another one I did on 8-19 of 12, the, entitled The Great Calling Has Begun, Proactive Steps to Avoid Becoming a Statistic. And then the one I did, 2012 End Time, Current Events and Health Updates, Depopulation Programs, Aerosol Spraying, Geoengineering, Directed Energy Weapons, Chloridation and Fluoridation of the Water, The Mass Drugging of America, Pharmaceutical cartels, GMO, food industries, the pesticides, herbicides, fungicides sprayed on the crops that are then consumed. Uh, aspartame, um, aka Equal or NutraSweet, which has been renamed AminoSweet or Neotame. That's good to know because that's an absolute total uh, devil chemical from the pit of hell. Splenda, saccharin, high fructose corn syrup, bleached white sugar, Corexit vaccines. Um, Wi-Fi, harp, scalar weapons, cell phones, cordless phones, disposable water bottles, BPA, BHT, MSG. These are all things that we kind of got into. Food irradiation, nitrites, microwave ovens, pasteurization, homogenization, um, bovine recumbent growth hormone, antibiotics, outgassing of plastics and chemicals in your car and homes, CFL bulbs, smart meters, dental amalgams and mercury fillings, soy and canola oil, deep fried foods, trans fatty acids, partially hydrogenated fats like margarine, bioweapons like the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, HIV, Lyme disease, and coming pandemics. 80 plus pages of information regarding these subjects and proactive measures you can take. And there's, there's a PDF for it as well. So... That was a big one, big study there. Um, I didn't even realize I, I put all these together in one spot. And, and I was really glad I did this because now whenever I have questions about this, I can just 
pop this document out, and it's got pretty much everything in one spot. Uh, let's see here. Then I did another one on 626 of 11, where I got more into air purification, car air purifiers, indoor air purifiers, how to survive nuclear fallout. Another one on 56 of 12, where I got into natural radiation remedies, radiation fallout, proactive steps. And then the one I did on 10-7 of 12, how to detox fluoride chemtrails and much more. So, um, that ought to, <laughs> if you've never availed yourself and this is like, you're new to this, you might just want to take some time. I mean, pray about it, but you might want to take some time and go through those systematically. There's going to be overlap, invariably. But if you've never been exposed to this, that's a good thing. Because it will reinforce your neural synapses brain patterns by hearing it maybe uh, several things over and over again. And then when, let's say we don't have access to our computers, or um, these are things you can also print out as well, but if, let's say, you didn't have that as an option, you'll still have that in your brain because you've heard it before. So that's all that I have for today. And uh, go ahead and close us out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, Lord. I pray, God, that you do give us wisdom and discernment, Lord, regarding the days and times ahead. Give us um, the prudence that we need, Lord, to know what to do. And in certain given situations, Lord, maybe you'll have somebody doing very minimal. Maybe another person might do a lot. Um, I think it's individualistic for every person, Lord. I just pray that we would be obedient to whatever you put on upon our heart to do. Um, that we would be able to be used in the coming days, in the coming dark days ahead, mightily for your glory, that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart will be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength, and our strength and our Redeemer, that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.